thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And Kim and Karen is missing. (laughs) Again, she's gone AWOL. But we have another girlfriend with us uh, that can't take the place of Karen, but um, she's one of the girlfriends. And we thought that we would have a little chat with Helen Patteron, who by... Profession is a naturopath, um, but by... And a herbalist. And a herbalist. And what else do you do, Helen? Nutritionist. Nutritionist. Well. Oh, yeah, my gosh. So just that author. whole kit and Oh, and an author. Oh, and an author. And we'll get into <laughs> what you've authored. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It was so funny because I don't know your history. Mm. I don't know how you got into naturopathy and nutrition and what led to you to to do that. So let's let's go back to the beginning as to what got your interest in it. Can, yeah. can I just say one oh, thing? Yes. Just one thing. <laughs> this morning we were having breakfast and this will just sum up Helen she said when she was three years of age, she asked to go to a South Korea or a Korean restaurant because she wanted kimchi at three. So that explains maybe her passion <laughs> a little for food. Bit of <laughs> insanity. Three years at of age. Three. My third birthday, yeah, my request was to go to Korean for kimchi. How did you know about kimchi at three? I know. Three years in Indonesia, spicy foods, that oh. kind of thing. And obviously kimchi is not Indonesian, but I had evidently come across it then. So um, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. No wonder... And and who knew that 20-odd years later, because before, before fermented foods became so hip and um, popular, again, um, I was starting to teach workshops with a friend of mine. This is over 10 years ago now. And so, yeah, when my parents told me about this story of when I was three, I just thought, how fascinating is that, that all these years later, you know, 25 years later or something, I was teaching people how to Mm. make these foods and they were such an important part of the work that I do. Mm. So, yeah. So, let's go back Mm. to, you were brought up in Indonesia. Is that what I hear? So, I was born in Canberra and then at about four months of age, we went over to Indonesia and we were there for three years or so. And then back to Canberra for school. And then as soon as I finished school, up to Sydney to study naturopathy and nutrition. And have been there ever since, except for four and a half years in New Zealand. So, Just tell me, so why nutrition and naturopathy? Like what was your passion behind that? Well, there was a few things that led to it. So um, growing up, I didn't have great health. I, you know, I, was, I was almost born three months premature. Mum was, you know, with bed rest and steroid medications to to stop labour. There's a funny, there's an interesting story about where that all started to happen as well, but we can, we can get to that later. <laughs> um, but then when, when I was born, you know, I had eczema pretty soon. I developed asthma pretty quickly as well um, throughout childhood. Um, yeah, asthma, then recurrent infections in my teens. Like every March I'd get bronchitis. I would. I had pneumonia in year nine. I had shingles in year 11. Like I just went through the, the whole gamut of um, infections, it seems. And I also had experiences with depression through my teens, and I wasn't really – I was always a greenie too and I loved adventure and outdoors and going caving and hiking and all that kind of stuff. So I was always a bit bit of a greenie and a carer by nature. And so um, when I was in high school, I wasn't necessarily looking to be healthy though because I, the way I was feeling was the only way I knew. I didn't know that there was anything different or better. Um, but I guess I was avoiding things that I, I started avoiding things that I knew made me feel worse. And so that's where I guess my health journey began because at school, when we would, you know, leave school at lunchtime and go to the local shops, I'd be getting a big salad roll instead of Maccas or something like that. And it wasn't because I wanted to be healthy. I just didn't want to feel crap afterwards. So you figured that out, you know, like yeah, not many people seems- figure that out that way yeah. <laughs> that interesting, that yeah that 
I didn't know what healthy felt like. Mm. And I think a mm. lot of people actually Absolutely. Know. Well, yeah, and I think that's the case with most people these days because um, we're so out of sync with the laws of nature, basically. And we're all, we all, as humans, we're a really weird species in that we think we should be able to live outside those laws and still be okay and get away with it. And then we're like, well, what do you mean I can't eat my Cheerios or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, it's just we need to remember that we are actually part of nature, not separate to it. And if we want to be well, we need to live within the rhythms and laws of it. So I love that. Mm, yeah. I do too. Mm. And I guess we had more insight into that. So, so you're saying that you noticed that at high school. Did people give you grief for not eating what they were eating? Or was yeah, yeah. Sense? My friends would, you know, give me a bit of slack, but I guess I just didn't care too mm. much. And it's um. And I did it anyway. And that's not to say I ate good all the time. Like I still also remember in school getting, you know, those chicken and corn rolls in a bread roll with mayo. So, you know, there was still some of that happening as well. And um, it wasn't all um, it wasn't all good, that's for sure. But it, I just wasn't aware of any of that yet. You know, it wasn't – my mum was always cooking home-cooked meals and, and that was a, a staple throughout childhood. And she – um, practiced what she could and taught us what she knew in terms of healthy eating, which, you know, there are some differences in what we now know. Margarine when I was younger was in the picture and things like that. But generally speaking, I think um, she did a pretty good job in terms of instilling values around eating healthy. So, um, but yeah, it wasn't a major focus, I guess, at the time. So then you, so you're at school and you're thinking, what am I going to do when I leave school? Mm. So first I thought I might be either a park ranger or a photographer. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) But um, I had a family friend who was a park ranger and I knew that it was really hard to get into an area of work where you weren't just cleaning toilets and fixing fences and so that didn't appeal to me so much. Um, I just need you to know, Helen, that that was one of my aspirations. Ah, there you really? go. Yeah. And you love photography. Oh, yeah. gosh, I, <laughs> I wanted to be a park ranger. Um, mm. But when I did Colorado Outward Bound, yeah. I, I met a lot of rangers. Oh, yeah. well, this would be a great job, yeah. you know, hiking. and Yeah, the fantasy yeah. of it. The fantasy yeah. of it. And then I heard the same thing. Yeah. How funny. And you, the photographer. Oh, I love yeah. it. I wanted mm. to do that. Yeah. And so then I was thinking um, of nursing um and then my sister when I was 15 my sister's 10 years older than me and she had moved back home um to have my niece and while she had been living in Sydney she did a short massage and aromatherapy course so she had this book fragrant pharmacy and that became my teenage kind of bible really and I started making my own skincare and when my niece would get ill I'd get out the oils and I'd notice that she'd respond really quickly and so I started to think hmm there's something in this because I was in a really you know science-based left brain kind of family dad's a German engineer you know that kind of um, train of thought so you know oils and herbs particularly as medicine had just not been part of the equation so that really started to spark my interest and then funnily enough as I you know I don't think I'd even heard of naturopathy but um, I started doing those questionnaires at school of you know what kind of career would be appropriate and that's when I started to learn you know about naturopathy because in questionnaires that kind of thing came up and it was that marriage between um, that caring nature and the loving of nature uh, which was really nice so that kind of um, yeah that's what set me on my path was actually oils wow yeah so how about that Oh, that's one, of my first, that's one of my first books I ever bought. Yeah. The yeah. Art of Aromatherapy by Robert Tisman and mm. Fragrant Fragrance of Pregnancy. Mm. I think that was by Valerie and Werwood. Werwood, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. one. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Mm. So you went, so you didn't go to uni then? Naturopathy, was it? Was that so uni? that was through, at the time, Nature Care College was the bee's knees of um, naturopathy courses. So I, and they had a partnership with University of New England. So I did a Bachelor of Health Science and advanced, and that was naturopathy, and advanced diploma in naturopathy, nutrition diploma, remedial massage diploma, and then I did a couple of extra modules to, so herbal medicine is part of naturopathy, but if you want the diploma, then you've got to do a few more modules as well, so I went on to do that too. So you lived in Armidale? Is that where the University no, of New England Sydney, is? Oh. So each semester we would go up to Armidale for intensives and we'd have a week up there of doing lab work and lectures. And then back in Sydney we had support lectures. Um, so you did it online, your Bachelor of Science in no, Health No, no, it was, it was done through Nature Care. So we oh, had lectures okay. for everything. All the material was from the university, but we had lecturers at Nature Care running us through it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. So um, then what happened? Like when you graduated, yeah. you went straight to Sydney? I, or no, stayed in Sydney, So I when say. I finished year 12, I went straight to Sydney, studied straight away and, yeah, have um, stayed in Sydney most of that time. But, uh, yeah, really I was really eager to get into practice and made a few naive choices as to what kind of clinics you know I was just so excited to start doing the work that you know as soon as there was a room available somewhere I was there and they were really terrible <laughs> so, <laughs> so I learned a few lessons of make sure you're really fussy about what kind of clinical setup you want um, and I had towards the end of my course as well done some um, clinic hours at Pimble Grove Health Centre in the dispensary there and as a result of that ended up getting employed there in the dispensary and then managing the dispensary and then it wasn't so I finished studying in 2001 and I had been working there and practicing elsewhere but in 2004 a room became available at Pimble Grove and I started practicing there and I felt so naive and young in the mm. early days you know I was young I was 21 when I graduated and and there I was in clinic with women going through menopause and, you know, I had no idea. <laughs> so mm. I, I kind of had to grow into it as well, just from that life experience perspective um, and, yeah, and learning along the way. And I actually, as we all do, um, learnt so much from the people I was working with about myself as well. Um, and there were things about my own health that still hadn't clicked yet. Even though I'd done all this study, it was theoretical. And then when I actually saw people in clinic and they were coming in complaining of certain symptoms that for me I still hadn't registered wasn't normal. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute, I've got that going on. <laughs> yeah, I should do something about that. <laughs> so, you know, my my personal health journey has evolved as part of that as well. That's an interesting point, actually, how many of us notice um, other things, other problems, other people's problems, other yeah. people's issues, yeah. but don't often turn it within or have a look or think about that. Yeah. We're very quick to judge yeah. looking out. Um, without actually even thinking about mm. us in that. So when you were in practice and you were in clinic and these people started coming in and you were noticing things, yeah. what was the aha for you that made you – because I think you think differently, it's even from a, a normal – Yeah, I feel like I do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm just trying to understand how you went to thinking differently. Like Cindy is not your normal nutritionist. Mm. Karen is not your normal psychologist. Mm. I don't think I'm a normal aromatherapist. No, yeah. So what... Does that mean we're not normal? Well, maybe we're normal. That's why I like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess there are a few avenues to it because, yeah, the way I practice isn't the way we were taught either because um, courses are still totally outdated, as you know, which is why courses like yours, Cindy, now I think are so much better than... Um, degree courses that are available and um, I frequently tell people you're going to get much better information doing that than um, going elsewhere but um, 
I remember when I, you know, soon after first study, uh, finishing studying and at Pimble Grove there, someone dropped off a copy of Nourishing Traditions mm. and I looked in and I was like, this is just weird, <laughs> you know, like what is this? And I put it aside and I didn't actually look at it again for another couple of years. And in that time, I don't know what it was, but obviously I was picking up bits of information here and there and, and working with Anthony Underwood, with um, seeing his work with children on the spectrum as well and work with the Mind Foundation. That just really opened up my, um, my viewpoint a lot. And then when I picked up Nourishing Traditions again a couple of years later, I was like, oh, my gosh, this stuff is gold. <laughs> you know? So it was really interesting um, to see that change. And but then improves again, though, when you're ready to read something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will. And Nourishing Traditions was written by Sally Fallon, yeah. who based that work on Western Price, Western A. Price, Price yeah. who was the dentist that mm. travelled early part of 1900 and 1930s. 1930s, yeah, travelled around tribes mm. to. Um, and looked at their teeth, but looked at the, what they were consuming mm. and what he believed was the way we should be eating. Yeah. And I find it really interesting that I would have thought the 1930s, that we were eating fairly traditionally. Mm. But he obviously saw that we weren't no. and that things yeah. had changed. As soon so. as roads were going into places, yeah. the, the diet changed. Yeah, there was more of the processed foods. foods. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was really interesting. And then because, again, being involved with mine since the day it started, that just gave me so much more insights. And I was told when I, I finished studying, you know, we were all really encouraged to find a niche and – that just never really sat well with me because I thought, especially so soon after graduating, if I find a niche, I feel like it is contradictory to the naturopathic philosophy of holism. And I thought, I'm going to miss out on learning a bunch of stuff if I just focus on one thing. And so I kind of drifted a little bit in that sense. But when I went to my first MIND meetings, I mean, MIND started off in a school classroom, you know, a gathering of parents in a school classroom. So it's grown immensely since then. Do you want, yeah. So MIND, M-I-N-D-D, stands for Metabolic Immunologic Neurologic and Digestive Disorders. And their focus is largely on children, so particularly children with autism spectrum disorders, asthma, ADHD, um, allergies, that kind of thing. But in recent years has evolved a lot more to also include um, adults and looking more at a lot of the chronic and metabolic conditions that fit into that mind category, which, let's face it, is most modern chronic illnesses yeah mm-hmm. so um whether it's things like autoimmune diseases fibromyalgia um all these kinds of things so when i first had this this first mind forum though that was like i just loved it so much as it light bulbs all went on because i could specialize <laughs> in the broadest possible sense so i started doing a lot of work then with children with the asd and that was incredibly challenging but incredibly rewarding as well. And because of the degree of the conditions that these kids have and the degree of um, gut disorders and metabolic issues that they have, I just – and because of the passion that is driven behind the parents and carers of these kids, mm-hmm. you know, the research that was coming out around uh, these conditions was just far beyond – the general collection of research. And so I found by working with these kids and learning what I could from these kids, I was then actually able to help all my other patients much more effectively. It really translated to helping everyone. So I think, and a lot of those concepts that we were learning back then within mind are just now becoming popular in the last couple of years in the general integrative medicines um, field, like things like pyrols and methylation and and the microbiome and all this kind of stuff where we were really jumping into it um, a lot earlier, biofilm stuff, all these kinds of things. So you've been graduated since 2001. Yeah. So you've been in practice basically 16 years. Yeah. So what is the trend that you're seeing 
that you didn't see in 2001 with health issues with our kids and adults? Are you seeing something that just keeps popping up that you never saw when you graduated? I would say the biggest thing that keeps popping up now versus then is autoimmunity. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, Does that it's mean it right. around then or is it just No, it was definitely around, but it wasn't um, – there wasn't such a large percentage of, you know, my patient group that was exhibiting any signs of autoimmunity back then, whereas now it's rife and it's happening at younger and younger ages. So I've had, you know, two-year-olds with rheumatoid arthritis, which was basically unheard of before. Why do you think this is happening? So, well, I guess if you look at health in general, I kind of whittle it down to a couple of key causes. Um, We've got too much of stuff and not enough of other stuff. (laughs) So we've got toxicity and deficiency, but um, we've got so many environmental exposures that are affecting our microbiome and our immune regulation. And the microbiome plays a huge role in immune regulation anyway. So we've got a lot of inflammatory processes that are just not switching off because obviously inflammation is important in the short term, but we it's required for he- tissue healing and all this kind of thing. But we don't want it to stay switched on and we, we want to make sure that there are the nutrients and substrates available that we need to be able to get toxins out of our cells and eliminate them from the body and, and um, regulate hormones and immune function. And all of these things are just so discombobulated at the moment that we're getting this multi-system kind of dysfunction. So it can result in so many different disorders. You know, there's more than a hundred different autoimmune conditions, but really it's the same, you know, there's, there's a few differences going on in different areas and different ones have different amounts of um, genetic influence involved, but we also know that epigenetics is incredibly important and powerful. And a lot of these things are very heavily uh, influenced by diet and lifestyle. So there's, Yeah. 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 And we are seeing more and more. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I don't know where it's going to end, mm. um, but some something has to be done. Yeah. And like I, I've just been in the US and just nobody seems to, they seem to just be carrying on with their lives doing, I know there's a group that aren't. I, yeah. I definitely know that. Yeah. I know that the group that are uh, genuinely going I am going to make a difference. I'm not going to use yeah. that. I'm going to do it this way. And fortunately, I think that group is growing. I think yeah. we're kind of reaching a bit of a tipping point to it but um, because a lot of change is happening. There's a lot more awareness. I mean, even people knowing what naturopathy is. When I first studied, uh, graduated and, you know, you'd be out and meeting people and they'd be saying, what are you doing? And i say, I'm a naturopath. And they kind of look at you with a confused face and like, do you know what that is? And no, they don't know whether to say yes or no. But whereas now it's like, oh, great, I'm my naturopath this or my mum says this or my cousin says, you know, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot more. I think people have got to that point where they're so, they're getting sick of feeling sick and they're looking for other answers but on the flip side of that it's that's not the majority of the population still which is um the sad and frustrating side of it because there's so much damage still happening that and we really need to turn around it it's it's not a one-stop kind of solution it's our whole um philosophy and lifestyle and you know again it's about getting back into how can we actually work with nature rather than raping pillaging and and destroying it because it's destroying us as well i think you said something at the very beginning though based on um you were learning all this stuff you were hearing all the stuff you were exposed to all of this stuff but you still didn't make the connection Mm. and i think that's where the bulk of the community is. I had a lady ring me two days ago. She's just found out she's pregnant and she's really worried about the oils. Mm. And I said, in what way? And she said, well, I I just don't know if I should be using lavender. I've heard that some of the oils are really, you know, not good for you during pregnancy. And then, and she said, you know, and I'm just worried about inhaling them. Mm. I said, do you fill up your car with petrol? Yes. 
do you smell the fumes when you're filling up those cups? Oh, yes, she said. And she goes, actually, funny you should say that. I was cleaning my bathroom just yesterday, mm. smelling the bleach, thinking, mm. I wonder if I should be smelling that. But I carried on using it anyway. Yeah. And when she said that, all of a sudden, then she started laughing. She goes, oh, my God. This is a really silly question. And I just, I laughed. But the reality is bleach has been around for generations and generations. We fill our cars up with petrol for generations and generations. But for some reason, even though essential oils have been around for over 4,000 years as essential oils, because it's a new therapy, it's almost like you were saying naturopathy yeah. is so new. Yet naturopathy is based on culture and tradition from thousands and thousands yeah. of years. So it's kind of weird that that connection isn't occurring mm-hmm. until it's almost so obviously stated yeah. that we go, oh, so I don't know how we make the penny drop or we have the connection go back to what actually was or yeah. is the natural laws of the universe, mm. nature, rhythms of cycle, seasonal behavior, all of these sorts of things. It's almost like we are so disconnected mm. and we're making it all sound like it's not part of the whole. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the more people I work with, the more that just gets confirmed for me. It is this whole picture and it's there's no you know quick answers quick fixes it's a it's an evolution that we need to um continue on but the problem is Mm. is that that's all we know is quick fixes yeah that's what we're used to we're used to and we're used to handing over that responsibility to somebody else Mm -hmm. instead of taking it on ourselves and i think one of the problems is as well there's um in this modern western society anyway there's a really negative connotation around responsibility it's like something that's done with um you know obligation and and um heavy kind of energy no one there's a lot of people who don't really want to grow up in that sense but when you look at the word responsibility it's your ability to respond right and it's actually very empowering and energizing if you actually take that on it's like okay i've actually got the power to change what's in my household and that's where we have the highest degree of chemical exposure on a day-to-day basis what we're using in our house and what we're putting on our body so just in and what we're eating Mm -hmm. so just by addressing those three things you make massive change and that just doesn't just change what's in your house as well that changes the whole system because you're voting with your wallet too you know you're changing um, economics and farming and industry to deliver what you're requesting. So the power, you know, it sounds kind of cliche, but the power really is with the people. And it's only going to change from that direction because trying to change things from top down, there's too many vested interests and there's too much bureaucracy and too much paperwork basically. But by, you know, grassroots movements and and encouraging people to take responsibility first for themselves and then the people around them, then that's where real change happens. And I think we're starting to see that because it's spreading and it's growing. Um, We just have a lot more to do still. Hmm. When I really think about it, like I'm thinking of of my grandmother and her era, so Mm. from my generation, um, if you think about it, before grandma, when she would have been a mother, so in the 50s, Mm. which was when television really started coming to the fore and there was a lot more ability to communicate messages and things, when I think about it, pre-grandma, so I'm sure her mother would never have seen television and things like that. Therefore, all they knew was what the communities and the farming mm. and, and that was kind of like that was norm. I look back at grandma and I think when she came in, it would have been so exciting mm. to see science and new to products. see these new products yeah. and getting women out of the kitchen, mm. so to speak, and and drugs were really, yeah. and it was like doctors became gods. Yes. And I almost feel like doctors, pharmaceuticals, and chemicals became this godly, quick fix kind of thing. And I just wonder, because Grandma, even still up until she passed away, you know, uh, to 12 years ago, eight years ago, I go, you know, she still thought that Panadol was the answer and, mm. and that it was okay. So even though she loved her lavender as well, she still had this belief. It was almost like she had these double beliefs. Mm. So I'm wondering now, and with the power of television, now we've moved into an age of, of um, information technology mm. with, with the internet. Mm. I'm just wondering also too that perhaps 
it's not so much the um, the masses, but again, getting back to your tribe, your community. And Charlotte Carr said this the other day when we were talking, and it's, it's kind of connecting the dots with me, is rather than thinking of your business as trying to reach the masses, you, all you need is 1,000 avid followers and believers in what you're about to have an amazing business, 1,000 people who are real passionate advocates about mm. your message. And you've just said it then, bring it back into the home. It's almost yeah. like... We don't have to worry about the top yeah, people. Yeah, we don't it's need like, to go global, back. bring it back to the communities. Yeah, and, and so I'm feeling like we're doing a circle, but yet with the internet, it's kind of also really fast-paced and it can turn one way really quickly and mm. it can turn one way really quickly. So what do you think is the answer there then when you have so many people, like we see it with Band by Pete Evans groups and, and <laughs> people like that, they have these... <laughs> One minute people are saying it's not right and then they create a group that's telling everyone that's saying this way is wrong. Mm. It's kind of like it's almost nasty and, and scary and no, yeah. people don't really know who to believe anymore. I think you're right. I, they don't know who to believe. Mm. And like look in our community, I don't know if you know what's happening in our community, but um, there's a dairy farm, um, I think it's out at Kenilworth, and they're not doing so well financially. They're trying to, you know, do it, but milk's prices are going down. Mm. So they decided that they would allow campers to camp on their creek. Yeah. And they have a beautiful creek that runs through their property. Well, the, the council have, have basically said you need permits, you need this, you need that, and you owe us this much money because um, you've been doing things illegally. Mm. So that was the first thing. And then Urban Street, I don't know if you've heard of our yeah, Urban Street. Oh, that, I that gutters me. That, yeah. That's just like that's so, I, that's I am, criminal. That is criminal. Mm. I am sustainability businesswoman of the mm. year, sponsored by the council. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And I say this publicly. I am absolutely mm. embarrassed yeah. that they have gone in and with with not even telling the residents yeah. that they were going to chop down citrus trees that were that laden were with fruit, fruits. Yeah. laden with fruit without saying, look, we're going to have to chop them down. We want you to harvest, but this is what we're going to have to do. But there was, yeah. I just like go, yeah. what is wrong? I will not be voting for our council again. No, there was no way. I, I thought Jamison was somebody that I could could trust mm. I really did I thought he was somebody that was going to lead this into being what, what what's his what is it into innovative creative sustainable that they have a, a vision mm. and they are not working on their vision true. and I think and you said there's so much bureaucracy like I think mm. he's a, a good person but I think he's perhaps being swayed by the masses again well I don't know he's the head he should be able to make changes know, a lot of people at the heads don't often make the decision mm. you know it's based on, on voting and all that sort of thing. They're just yeah. friends, but I'm yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe you're right. That's a messy But it was apparently there was lots of emails and, and letters sent to those people in the street saying this would happen. Um, that they didn't have permits. That it was seen as a safety problem. And I'm like, which is are you kidding? Ridiculous. Me? Are you kidding me? I completely agree. There's with a you. tree in the road. Oh my god. Nobody can see it. They're going to trip over it. With laden <laughs> with fruit. I don't understand it. But yeah, we we're good at from an authority perspective at breeding dumb humans. You know, mm. everything when we get too safety conscious. You know, obviously, you, it's so important to be able to. Um, make mistakes, take risks, be able to assess risks, but we're not taught to do that anymore because all of those experiences are taken away. No, that's too dangerous. You're not allowed to do that. No, you can't camp there. You need a permit. No, you can't cross the street without a light, you know, like all of these things. We're just getting so dumbed down uh, that that really <laughs> frustrates me as well. You just hit the nail. It's dumbing mm. down. Mm. It's actually questioning our intellect as, yeah. as beings and it's natural to want to grow trees. Yeah, and, we should be growing mm. food everywhere. And There's no reason on, for a food crisis. Even today on our walk, yeah. the first thing Helen noticed was someone had herbs out in their front food mm. in their front garden and I was like, yeah, it's really cool. To, yeah. Don't have to do a lot. Like no, you say, bring it back. That's right. What do you think would be your advice to people listening to this? Most, I would dare say the listeners that listen to this are Apart from the, the trollers that want to go and tell Band by Pete Evans. Um, um, you know, hello, 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 we love you too, we know you're in pain. Um, anyway, please. Please. Um, but our listeners are very, I would suggest, educated, and that's yeah. why they love to listen to people like you. 
what would you be, what would be your advice, not to them, because they're already on board, mm. what's your advice in order to be the example or the, how do we create a tsunami of change by being the example? How, yeah. what's, what's the job, apart from bringing it into the home, what's your thought? Well, um, I guess one thing I like to say is vitality is contagious. So first of all, as you said, you can only do it yourself. You know, you can you can plant seeds for people, but well, you can take a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink, right? So the best way to do it is live really congruently for yourself first. Um, if you've got children and family, then that is going to spread to them, even if you don't think it is, or even when you think they're not listening, one day you'll find out, oh, they actually took that on, you know. And so that is really powerful for parents to um live by their values and actually for mums as well to put themselves first because a lot of the time they don't do these things for themselves because they're putting so much care out for their children and everybody else but um, their children actually really benefit from that self-care and nourishment and um, living by their values so I think yeah living by your values and um once that happens, people will start asking as well, you know, oh, what are you doing? Or, or um, you'll have the opportunity to have conversations with people where you don't want to be preachy, you don't want to be saying, oh, you shouldn't do that, you should be doing this, you know. But if someone's telling you about their problems you can, and they're telling you what they've been trying to do to resolve those problems and it may not be the most effective way rather than just saying, oh, well, I've found this way to work that can put defences up for people, you can ask, okay, so how's that working for you, mm. you know, and get them, get that thought process going in other people without any judgment because they're doing the best that they can do with the knowledge that they have. So, um, yeah, just stimulating questions to to trigger that, um, that processing in others. And I think the key there you said too is to not have an attachment to it because it's very hard when you see people you mm. care for making decisions that you wish they wouldn't make Absolutely. or that you wish they'd investigate, yeah. and, but they're not interested. And yeah. they could be very educated their path, people. Their journey. Yeah. Although I saw a quote the other day, education's not everything. There's plenty of educated derelicts. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cute. Yeah. Um, but I Experience think is so the, important. But I think the other thing there is it's all very good and well to ask the questions and to mm. do that, but also not have an attachment of the outcome. Yeah. Even though you might feel it's the worst thing or even the trees. Like I think about I have not stopped thinking about it. Oh, me too. And particularly you being the sustainable one of the year up here, there was a part of me that thought, wow, what an insult. What an insult mm. to what we consider sustainability. Yeah. Um, I would have thought having someone like Cindy, this was my thoughts just because I want to go back to it, yeah. <laughs> is, um, that they could have called you in and had a council meeting mm, with absolutely. someone like you and discussed the benefits for and against and how we can come to a conclusive um, outcome that benefit the environment, the people growing it, and someone like Cindy and even our mayor. Mm. So... For me, it's like it's conversations. But what do you both think, though, when you want to have the conversations and they still, the, the authority still comes in, these people that supposedly know more and still chop down the trees? And I'm just using this as a metaphor. What do you do when the trees still get cut down? Like we can rant and rave, we can swear, we can curse, we can say they're idiots. But reality is it's happened. What do we do now? Mm, for, for me, it's being an individual as an example of change that I choose, like my biggest um, beef was to stop glyphosate being sprayed um, on our parks and our gardens and our verges and our sports grounds. And it's like knocking my head against a brick wall. Um, I, I went to one council meeting um, where I was, I got a private um, audience <laughs> with this one lady and I thought she, living in Mullaney, was the person, to, you know, she was the hippie and she would be into this. And you know what she said to me? She said, oh, Cindy, we've been working on this for five years. And I went, five years? And you still haven't stopped using that poison? I just was like, I went, you give me no hope. No hope that you, the council, have been working on this for five years to find an alternative. It's just, so I think you hit it on the head. Um, Helen, 
we have to as individuals choose not to do this mm. we and you know like it's nothing about the trees that have been cut down we can't do anything about that um but maybe plant the trees in our own backyard that's yeah. all i can think of get um, some pot plants going yeah get some mm. pot plants going and just go it's been done let's plant in our own yards now i think it's very sad mm. that we can't use our verges um for planting food to me that it I go up to Urban Street and I walk around Urban Street. It's a community. Mm. People are out on the verges yes. doing things, interacting. picking, interacting. Hi, everybody knows everyone. My street, we ignore each other. Yeah. yeah. Because I wanted a community garden. We have this amazing area in our street. I wanted a community garden years ago and there was a council meeting and everything about it and all the old people in the street were going, oh, wait, who's going to look after it? No, we're not going to do that. No. And they put pretty trees up. That's all they did. Mm. And a park, they put this beautiful thing about the numbers because everyone got confused about the numbers. And then they put a park bench. Mm. Well, what? There's, well, they could have planted citrus trees. We could be eating mandarins mm. right now. You mm. know, I just, I think it's about, it's frustrating and I try to ignore it because there's so much good happening in the world. But I actually think it is about us planting in our own backyard, doing yeah. our own thing. Yeah. Um, Everyone's got that power to do everyone that. Everyone has that yeah. power to do it. If you're a lobbyist, great. Mm. I'm, I met this beautiful woman in the US who's a lobbyist for climate change mm. because that's what she wants yeah. to do and that's what she is doing. Yeah. And not every one of us because no. she's a solicitor. Yeah. You know, so. And if you don't want to be the trailblazer out the front like her or yeah. like yourselves, then get in behind people like yourselves and be a part of that movement. You don't mm. have to be out the front. Well, no. it can All be such simple cocoon. things. Yeah, just, like we said, yeah. just start at home. Start with yourself. Start at home. They're little changes. They are not expensive either. They often save money. Mm. I mean, there's just so many benefits to it, and it does have a profound effect. Like, um, if you look at financial reviews, the amount of change in certain industries with food, for example, over the last few years has actually changed quite significantly because of the consumers and the choices that consumers are making. Mm. So that goes to show how powerful just your everyday choices are. I think that's incredibly important. And the more people that make those choices and make the changes, you know, like I, I go along that chemical aisle. And yeah. I don't buy anything in that no. aisle, not no. a thing in that aisle. And I kind of go, if everybody stopped, that yes. aisle would be gone. Yes. If everyone stopped oh, eating breakfast cereal, that yes. aisle would be gone. If everyone stopped drinking Coca-Cola, yes. that aisle would be yeah. gone. Yeah. It's not hard. Coca-Cola, breakfast cereals and chemicals. Yeah, well, actually, and none of them are necessary. Hard. No, none of them are necessary. <laughs> you say it's not hard, but I was speaking at the gym the other day to someone who drinks two litres of Coke a day. Diet Coke, would that be? Would, would that person be a male? Yes. <laughs> Would we know but would we know him? That's the diet coke one. The oh. other one is a coke one. Oh god. And he just and he actually still gets yeah, there. I find I don't know what to do. I, I I'm struggling like he's But that's where we need addicted. to go into addiction mm. and what's driving addiction as well, which is a whole nother Helen, today we were talking on our beach wall. Let's just yeah. go lay down and do that. <laughs> Let's go lie in the sun. Let's just go lie in the sun. Get some vitamins. Right, upper chest finished. We're done. <laughs> We're on our beach wall today. <laughs> She's done a beautiful book with Pete Evans. Oh yes, sold we had to go there. <laughs> we, we all love what Pete, his mission is, and mm. we're all aligned with that. And regardless of what people think of Pete or don't mm. think of Pete, his heart is about helping to change people yeah. the way we eat. Um, then I asked you, what are you doing? How do you get to the masses? I want you to share what you talked about with why you created 9v9 mm. and about getting it back to simplicity. Yeah. Well, I guess one thing, so I wanted to, an avenue to be able to reach more people because there are obviously very many people who need help and only a limited amount that you can see in clinic or who can see you. And so I wanted to see what are the what are the common themes, you know, that I'm talking about with people every day. And regardless of what conditions are, people are coming to see me with, because um, I see a lot of people who have been chronically ill for quite a while with all manner of different conditions, um, regardless of what it is, 80% of what we need to do is exactly the same, maybe even more, right? And this comes back down to... Um, that wellness model where rather than looking at the disease and treating the disease, we're looking to achieve wellness, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're looking to achieve wellness, then what we need to do is 
live according to the laws of nature. And therefore, the same rules apply to everybody. <laughs> so that simplifies things a lot. Then we might need to do some, you know, individual approaches for different people, depending what's going on with them, what their experience is, all of that kind of thing. But the bulk of it is the same. So getting more of that information out to more people so that they can at least get a start, because I think a lot of the time the hardest thing is making that first step, mm -hmm. whatever it is in life, right? And it's often that for, you know, not taking that first step that stops us just getting started on the, on the journey. And the first step can seem like Everest before you get going. And um, if you, particularly if you look at all the things you need to do, then it's like, oh, that's just too much for me. And a lot of um, online programs uh, I find are quite either long or detailed. There's a lot involved or there's a lot of time involved. And um, that can stop people as well. So I wanted something that was really simple and that I knew would elicit a change. And in doing so, build some energy and inspiration so that they would want to then go and do more. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I came up with 9v9. So 9v9 is literally just eating nine cups of veggies a day for nine days and that's all there is to it. You don't have to take out anything. You can, you know, you can drink and smoke and have coffee and everything else if you want to. Um, obviously, I don't advocate doing that all the time. But, um, yeah, all you have to do is bring in nine cups of veggies. And the reason being, generally speaking, regardless of your dietary philosophy, most people in, in Australia, most people in developed countries full stop do not eat enough vegetables so um and i work with a lot of people who do have autoimmune conditions and i do really love terry wall's work mm. and um nine cups of veggies a day is what is part of the walls protocol and so i'm talking to patients a lot about that so that's where i came up with the nine cups and the nine days apart from that it has a little ring to it when you say nine v nine is that it's long enough for people to um to experience a change in the way that they're feeling on many levels as it turns out physical mental and emotional um, but it's short enough that it's easy to commit to and, and it's a challenge. So, you know, it's it's something that's fun and engaging you can do with others and we have a, a Facebook group for it and people are really supportive and encouraging and it is it actually blows me away. You know, I always have been working for food for, you know, 17, 16 years and while I know the power of food, it still never ceases to amaze mm. me and inspire me. And I had high hopes for 9v9, but I was still blown away by the feedback and responses that we've got of just how one change can elicit so so much um, impact. So, so can you give us some examples of, of some of the people that have been on the Facebook page? Oh, we've yeah. had everybody. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> we've had, had some everybody. examples. Yeah. So we have had truck drivers. One of it was so cool. Like I just thought, yes, it was like truck driver and a, a country guy. And they ended up having this conversation in the group about it, it got quite spiritual and uh, philosophical about the impact of having more colored foods in their day, more vibrant live foods in their day had on them. And I was like, my God, if I can reach truck drivers, it's just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, and then we had, I even had, I've had quite a few practitioners go through and do the program as well and just go, you know, I normally eat a lot of veggies or I thought I ate a lot of veggies, but I didn't realize how much more I could do and how much better I feel doing that. So these are, you know, practitioners, nutritionists who um, technically we think are already on top of it all but um, have still had a lot of benefit from it. We've had people who haven't been sleeping for years, who are now sleeping better, who have had restless leg, who aren't getting restless leg anymore, um, and they were taking bucket loads of magnesium and still had restless leg and now don't. Um, air clarity, um, uh, energy, and um, you can see as well, we get people to take selfies before and after and pictures of their tongues as well and the difference in their skin and their eyes and their tongues before and after um, is just fantastic. So, yeah, and joint pains, all of these, so many, li not little, these things actually big, have big yeah. impacts on people's mm. lives, but so many symptoms that people just get used to dealing with every day 
um, that uh, clear up has just been so cool to, to And how see. much is the program and how can people get onto it? When is the next intake? <laughs> so it is um, $75 and in that nine days we have three live chats as well. So we get to, you can ask me whatever questions that you want, which um, I want to be able to provide that time because, you know, clinic is booked out and not able to take new patients at the moment. So this is a way for me to be able to connect to get more people started. as well. Yeah, yeah get, them, get them, started. them started. And these are things to go and talk to your practitioner about and that kind of thing. And uh, we don't have a date yet for the next one, but stay tuned. So you can sign up to helenpatteron.com and uh, we'll send out newsletters there and Facebook we'll and in Instagram. show notes so everyone knows how to spell it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so and Facebook and Instagram, we, we notify everyone there when dates are set. So, mm-hmm. and there's more courses in the works as well. So. And tell us about the gut health book with Pete. Mm-hmm. And how was it working with Pete? <laughs> <laughs> we love Pete. Yeah, <laughs> no, he, he actually is great to work with. And um, like you said before, he's got just such an um, admiral mission. You know, I. Before I, I didn't even know who Pete was, right? Before I met him, I don't have a TV. I haven't had a TV for most of my life. I, um, aren't, I'm not up to date with what's going on in the media. And, um, so I didn't, yeah, did not know who he was, but always I knew how popular cooking shows were. And I had so many friends who were watching them. And I was like, I wish there was a celebrity chef who would take on real food. Imagine the impact that you could have. And anyway, in more ways than we expected with yes. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Pete. Exactly. I, 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 you know, I just got to gotta say this. Yeah. It blows me away that he is ridiculed for just talking about real food. I know. I know he takes food groups out, but it's still real food. It's exactly. still food. And yeah. there are civilizations that live on his food. Yeah. And really. they still live today yeah. and they're not sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there's such know. like Yeah, it's reminder. okay to have one litre cans of V in the supermarket at child height. And there's no so. argument about that. Mm. You know? This is one thing when Bubby Yum Yum came out, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about that one. <laughs> so that was. Which will we talk about first? That book or this book that we're talking about? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, let's go yeah, Bubby Yum Yum yeah, first. Chronological. Yeah, okay, let's do that one. So, yeah, Bubby Yum Yum was a big passion project. It was something that we all believed a great deal in and still do. Um, and we knew we would get some flack for it because we knew it was not what the current mainstream guidelines are about, but I guess we didn't quite expect the degree of heat and storm that did come with it. So, and it got so nasty. People were so nasty and so nasty without actually being informed. But there was so much heated opinion and emotion. And, you know, people would send messages and emails with language in it that you would just never, you know, you would never say to anybody face to face. Well, most people wouldn't. So it was a pretty horrible experience. It created a lot of stress. We had great support. Pete, were, you know, Pete's more used to getting um, beaten up than Shah and I are. So he was really great support for us through that and, and his but team. Shah miscarried as well. Mm. Right. That's how much stress. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. No, yeah. no and they don't. They don't, don't know Nobody the impact knows of what, what they... was going on behind the scenes. Like yeah. it was in, intense. And, you know, I've been married before and and um gone through separation and divorce and this is like the second most to that second most stressful experience Mm. i went through and you know i was getting threats from daa and fsa and z and you know and if you don't respond within an hour we're lodging complaints with hccc like it was just a mess it was a nightmare week of my birthday i was crying every day you know it was just had to take a mental health day off work it was it it got to the point where on several occasions we just thought, do we just throw in the towel here? Do we do we give up on this project? Let's, and let's the- before we go on, because there are some people that may not know, I can't imagine in Australia, but there could be overseas, may not know exactly what this is about. Mm. So it's about one recipe yeah. in the whole cookbook yeah. for children, yeah. and it was a formula that was not based on any milk. 
That's right. It was based on a bone broth. Yeah. And which liver. is a traditional yeah. recipe from thousands of years yeah. ago. That has been published hundreds of hundreds of thousands of times. Before. No it's babies have died. No babies have died no. in the in the using of this formula. Yeah. So this is what the crux of the matter was. Yeah. I just want people to understand that that they and don't live in Australia. There was also a lot of misinformation in the media too of people saying that we were suggesting to give bone broth instead of breast milk, which of course is ludicrous. You know, there's it's just <laughs> and, and then we have a pediatrician who hasn't even seen the book who says if parents follow this a baby could die and then the media just go I know they yeah. took it on. So yeah, and yeah, we and had we did Pete, so much research. Yeah, was you it, it was Pete. Pete paleo and babies in one sentence. Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Pete paleo baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden fire. Yeah, so yeah. you know it's but the um, thing that I don't get, and this is something I would love our listeners to hear. When you criticise somebody, mm-hmm. when you knock somebody, and we've all done it probably, we've all sat there armchair critics or we've all sat there um, watching a sportsman miss a try or watching a athlete miss a goal or watching a mum yell at her child mm-hmm. or we've, and we've all stood there and maybe rolled our eyes. I will not deny I have not looked at someone at some we point and not thought an yeah. opinion. As I've got older and as I've become a mum and a teacher and an educator and being involved with Cindy and Pete, God forbid, (laughs) and I've had people absolutely annihilate me and I'm all about kindness and self-care and plants and love and I've still been ridiculed and hurt Mm. and and really upset. I've cried Mm, myself to sleep. What people don't realise as you sit there behind your keyboard or your phone or you have an opinion on somebody, or you roll your eyes at a mother, you have no idea what that woman has been through Mm. to get to that point to yell at Mm. a child. I'm not saying it's right, Mm. but look at why she's done it, not how she's done it. Go up to her and say, are you okay? Are you okay? okay? Can I help you? Can I help you? Mm. Rather than sit there judging. I've had women come up to me and told me I am a disgusting um, piece of humanity mm. because my child is screaming in a store because I wouldn't give him a Spider-Man toy mm. and he's just had a tantrum <laughs> because he can't have it and I refuse to let him have it and I've been told I'm a disgusting example of humanity what instead of and then I had another one I will say bless her and I'm on the verge of tears mm. saying to me you're doing a great job it mm. was her that was nice to me that made me burst into tears mm. on but just have a little think yeah. before you have a dig yeah. at what people are doing. What, what would be your thoughts around that, being on the Yeah, I think um, you never know somebody's story until you talk to them and ask them. So I think um, I find that really fascinating. I was mentioning to you the other day, you know, we see people walking around all the time with it and we automatically it's part of our nature and as I guess as part of survival mechanisms and things like that we cast judgments but there's a difference between um recognizing that you're doing that and and stopping and going actually I know nothing about this person or this situation or what's going on here maybe I'll talk to them or ask them about it or um I think it's uh really important to yeah look under the surface and particularly when media is involved like I have always known that mainstream media is full of crap it's large reason why I don't have tv and any of don't read newspapers that kind of thing because it's basically all lies anyway but this I got an insider's view or an insider experience of it and I just realized because you knew the truth. I knew the truth, yeah. yeah. And I knew where this project had come from. Like, you know, the other the surface-level criticisms were, oh, we're just doing it for the money and all this kind of stuff. I tell you why, there's there's a lot better ways to be <laughs> making money than to, to be doing something like this. And we haven't made a cent from it. In fact, you know, there's a lot of debt as a result of that whole media storm. So, and it was a reason why we thought, do we just pull the plug? But we thought when we got out of our head and out of that fear-based thinking and and sunk into our hearts, we're like, well, why are we actually doing this? Like, no, mothers and fathers and children are actually really needing this information. We need to get it out there. And that's why we 
went on with it and that's why it is now available. But um, it did come close to having the pin pulled. So I think... Well, it um, was pulled, wasn't it, by the Macmillan? Was it Macmillan? Yeah, because they're, they're big um, customers like Big W, that kind of thing, they're not fans of controversy. So then if they don't order the books, then they can't sell it. Mm. So um, they were quite supportive of us, but um, economically they had it wasn't to worth it. Yeah. But hadn't they already published the books? They had published books, but we couldn't say that the um, formula was a formula because technically it's not a formula. So we had to rename it and, and do yeah, a, few a formula. Kimmy does a formula in essential oils. Yeah, but in terms of a, a baby oh, formula, okay. it's a powder that you mix with water, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So it was, yeah. But you know, I think just be really aware of what is in the media and be an independent thinker is my biggest thing. I think the most valuable thing we can do for our children is encourage them to think independently and not take what they hear as gospel and encourage um, curiosity and always inquire into things. And if you hear something, it, you know, it's actually even it's fine to be a skeptic, but you still have to be an open, have an open mind. Mm. And um, so that you can look into it and then determine for yourself, actually, where's the truth in this? And there's so much research that went into that book. I mean, it, aside from the gut health book, um, which as a result of Baba Yum Yum is also very heavily researched <laughs> to make sure every T was crossed and I dotted, they're, they're probably the most referenced cookbooks on the planet, right? So, um, and we had... Um, we had the books fact-checked and we had uh, researchers can, you know, do independent research to back up what what we're saying just to make sure. So I know it is watertight. I know it is beautiful, safe, nourishing information and tools that um, parents can use for Bubba Yum Yum and anybody can use for the gut health book to start improving uh, their health. So I'm, I'm 100% behind them. I hope so. And, I, I mean, I hope people are hearing this for what it is mm -hmm. because that's what people don't realise. They'll read a book and they don't realise the cost that's gone into getting some research yeah. done or getting editors or getting cover design. Like the cost that goes into a book Mammoth. is you are talking and most cookbooks are around, and this is just a general cookbook, costs you $70,000 yeah. to get a cookbook off the ground with full-colour photography and all yeah. that. And that's not a controversial or no. a health <laughs> No, cool. controversial ones are more like 120,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to ask you. And, and then when you look at Baba Yum Yum, that cost, people don't look at it and they're all saying, well, you're doing it to make money. No, no actually, if you look at Charlotte, Helen and Pete, their vision, their passion, their absolute purpose was to support women that could not, because of all these gut conditions, mm. that their babies were getting allergic to milk or there was problems around. And just with general kids' health, you know, as we mentioned at the very start of it, we're seeing younger and younger kids with more and more serious conditions. Um, and so two-year-olds with rheumatoid arthritis, I'm not okay with that, you know. So this is a way for us to, and it's not going to happen immediately, but the better we're nourishing ourselves and our kids, I mean, particularly with kids, they're, they're building everything from scratch, you know. This affects them for the rest of their lives. So um, we need to get the, the good nourishment, the good building tools in as early as possible, and that, that can change. That, I hope, like to say, that can change the world, you know. The better functioning we are, the better feeling we are, usually the better we are at interacting with others and uh, the happier the world is. <laughs> what would be your final message for our beautiful listeners? Final message for beautiful listeners would be to tap into what gives you joy and to live according to your values. So we get so busy these days. I think our biggest epidemic is busyness and it drags us away from connection to ourselves and to others and to nature. And I think we need those three things to live well and healthy and happy. And um, we need that joy because that actually gives us energy and inspiration. And the biggest thing I see in people with chronic illnesses is they're totally disconnected from their joy, might not even know what it is anymore so find out what your joy is go practice it go do it um and live according to your values and you can make changes one step at a time one change will make a big big impact 
You're amazing. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. She's beautiful. She's hot. She's absolutely <laughs> divine. She's got a big heart. Um, Helen, what's your website again? HelenPatterin.com. So that's H-E-L-E-N-P-A-D-A-R-I-N.com. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put a link to your 9B9. I'm hoping by the time this goes to air, you'll have your next date in there for us. You never know. Um, and and I just want you to know from Cindy, Karen and I, the work you do does not go unnoticed. <laughs> you are a beautiful friend of ours. We admire you wholeheartedly and we... We cannot wait to see the more lives that you change. Follow her on Instagram. She always posts recipes. She takes photos of everything I make her. <laughs> um, she's just adorable and has self-care at the forefront like all of us. So just want to say thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege. Well, thank you so much. And, yeah, the admiration is mutual. So <laughs> love you guys. Love you too. So, listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast this week, please make sure you go and let Helen know. Um, Go and find her on Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, um, her programs and websites. Um, Make sure you go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and post all your comments and feedback there. Please go to iTunes for those of you that are on iTunes and have um, the Apple devices. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating so that we can get this information out more. For those of you, I think there's still one place left on our trek and our hike to New Zealand in November. So that's awakenthechangewithin.com. Please go there or let Karen know instantly and immediately if you'd like to be part of that or Africa next year. Um, Helen, you might want to come with us to Africa. Um, (laughs) It's going to be amazing. 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 I keep seeing Mm. all the frank pictures and all the other things. It's going to be amazing. You want to learn about Himbers and the the um, the bush people of the the Kalahari. Oh, I mean New Zealand's just an appetite. I know. <laughs> so um, Helen, maybe you should come to New Zealand. Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> anyway, so please um, also go to our Facebook chat page, which is up for a chat. So listeners, thank you for for tuning in. Thank you for being our support and the wind beneath our wings as to why we keep continuing to do these podcasts every week when we're all so busy but we just love bringing you guests like Helen take care everybody look after yourselves we look forward to seeing you next week when we hope to be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world take care this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.